Good morning and welcome to Real Truth for Today. Pastor Jeff Shreve here, the pastor of First Baptist Church in Texarkana, Texas, and the founder of From His Heart Ministries. And From His Heart is heard every weeknight on American Family Radio at 6 p.m. Central Time. Love for you to tune in. Uh, on your way home from work or uh, wherever you might be traveling or getting dinner prepared or whatever, uh, the Lord is faithful as we uh, try to be faithful to preach His Word. Now today I want to talk to you about uh, something that lots of Christians argue over and debate about and go back and forth and it can cause a, a lot of stress and strain on uh, families, on friends, on churches and that has to do with gray areas in the Christian life. Now, we talk about some people being black and white. I'm a very black and white person. I see things either uh, white, that's good, or black, that's not good. That's kind of how that phrase works. It has nothing to do with race. It's just uh, a black and white thing. And uh, we, we want to put things in categories. A black and white person wants to put things in that's good or that's bad, that's right or that's wrong. But what about the gray areas? You know, when you, you take black and you put it together with white, what do you get? You get gray. And the Bible does talk to us about the gray areas. A gray area is something where the Scripture doesn't specifically say if this is right or wrong. And it's a gray area. It's one of the... Uh, liberties in the Christian life. And the Bible has two chapters, 1 Corinthians chapter 8 and Romans chapter 14, that specifically deal with gray areas. Now, the big gray area in the first century for the Christian church, especially in Corinth, was meat sacrificed to idols. Uh, Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 8, now concerning things sacrificed to idols. We're going to talk about that. Is it right or is it wrong to eat meat sacrificed to idols? What, what does God say about that? Now, there are certain things, as I said, certain things that are obviously wrong. You know, if somebody tells you, well, God told me to leave my wife and marry my secretary. No, he didn't. He would never do that. The Lord hates divorce, and uh, he would never tell you to do that because that is a very black and white thing. Uh, that's obviously wrong to do that. So what about those things that it's harder to say, chapter and verse, that that's obviously wrong? You know, so to, to leave your wife to marry your secretary, you say, well, what's the chapter and verse on that? Well, go to the Ten Commandments. Uh, commandment number seven, you shall not... Uh, commit adultery. You shall not uh, have sex with someone who is not your uh, spouse. You, you, you shall not dump your wife. Uh, you know, you, you've made a commitment. So Malachi 2, if I hate divorce and, and the one that puts away his wife, God is not for that. He's never going to be for that. Uh, flee immorality, every other sin, uh, is outside the body, but the immoral man sins against his own body. So when you have a guy that dumps his wife for his secretary, let's say, uh, I would say 99.9% .9 of the time uh, there is sexual immorality involved in that decision. And the Bible is very clear, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 4, let the marriage bed be undefiled for fornicators and adulterers, God will judge. So that's, that's one of those easy things to say, that's wrong, what you're doing is wrong. But how about some of these? Making out with your boyfriend or girlfriend, is that right or is that wrong? 
You know, people, especially high school kids or college kids that are wanting to walk with the Lord, they want to know, how far can I go? in the physical part of this? I mean, is, is making out wrong? Um, can we go parking? Uh, you know, where, where's the line? Because they want, they want you to tell them where the line is so that they can come right up to the line. You know, let's just hurry to get to the line. So uh, that's one of those gray areas. You know, for some, uh, here's the deal on a gray area. For some, it's wrong. For some, it's not wrong. Because it has to do with how you view that in your heart. As Paul said in, for, in Romans chapter 14, let each man be fully convinced in his own mind. Uh, happy is the man who does not condemn himself in what he approves. And whatever is not of faith is sin. And so if, you, if your heart is conflicted about some area that you're not sure about, well, that's a good indicator that you don't need to do it. So I ran across this list uh, just this morning on, uh, on the internet, and it had to do with gray areas. And so here is the list. They, they give 15 things. Making out with your boyfriend, girlfriend, right or wrong. Watching R-rated movies, right or wrong. Many of us would say, well, that's wrong. Hey, the Passion of the Christ was rated R. So be, be careful with, you know, being too quick on that. Listening to non-Christian music. Some say, hey, you know, you're a Christian. You can't listen to non-Christian music. Drinking alcohol. We're going to get into that one. Swearing. Um, you, you, not using, taking God's name in vain. Uh, that's commandment uh, number three. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not leave him unpunished who takes his name in vain. But swearing. My dad used to talk, call that using vulgarities. Is that right or wrong? Getting a tattoo. Attending a Halloween party. Using social media. And this is coming from TGC, the Gospel Coalition. And I didn't come up with these lists, but this is what they put on there. Uh, using social media. Binging on Netflix. Right or wrong? Most of us would say, well, I hope that's not wrong. Uh, driving five miles over the speed limit. You know, for some people, that's a big deal. It's like you're breaking the law and you're like, yeah, I'm going with the flow. Uh, number 11, skipping church one Sunday to attend a sporting event. Sending your kids to public school. Kind of depends where the public school is and what, what that public school is like. Betting on sporting events. Spending money on luxury items. Playing video games that contain violence. And then he had a little bonus. Allowing your kids to do any of the above. You know, what does the Bible say about those things? Because those things tend to be gray areas. You know, for a long time, uh, Southern Baptists were, were, you know, really down on dancing. You can't dance. Dancing is a sin. Playing cards is a sin. Going to the movies is a sin. And so they were really hard line. They were very legalistic on some of those things. When the Bible doesn't say that dancing is a sin, when the Bible doesn't say that playing cards is a sin, when the Bible doesn't say that going to movies is a sin. Now, that was back, you know, 40, 50 years ago that people were thinking like that. They're not thinking like that anymore. And so these things, um, you know, have, have really changed over the years. Uh, drinking alcohol is a big one. You know, when I became a Christian, that was like, Man, the very first thing my friends asked me is, okay, you're talking to me about God. Do you drink? Are you still drinking? Are you partying? Are you, and how we used the word partying back then was going to get, you know, 
drinking alcohol and getting drunk. Are you, are you still drinking? And I remember my friend told me, he said, he stopped me right off the bat when I tried to talk to him about Jesus. And he said, if you're still drinking, don't talk to me about Jesus because you are no different from me. And uh, that was a big deal. And so I said to myself, well, I want to be able to witness to my friends. I'm going to take this out of my life. I'm going to be able to honestly say to him, I'm not drinking. And when I, you know, I don't need that. And so uh, alcohol was a big thing. But here's what Paul says. First Corinthians chapter eight. Now concerning things sacrificed to idols, we know that we all have knowledge. Knowledge makes arrogant. Knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. Love edifies. If anyone supposes that he knows anything, he is not known as he ought to know. But if anyone loves God, he is known by him. Therefore, concerning the eating of things sacrificed to idols, we know that there is no such thing as an idol in the world and that there is no God but one. For even if there are so-called gods, whether in heaven or on earth, as indeed there are many gods and many lords, so-called, obviously, from the the passage, uh, he says, yet for us, there is but one God, the Father, from whom are all things, and we exist for him, and one Lord Jesus Christ, by whom are all things, and we exist through him. However, not all men have this knowledge, but some being accustomed to the idol until now, eat food as if it were sacrificed to an idol, and their conscience being weak is defiled." But food will not commend us to God. We are neither the worse if we do not eat, nor the better if we do eat. But take care lest this liberty of yours somehow become a stumbling block to the weak. For if someone sees you who have knowledge dining in an idol's temple, will not his conscience, if he is weak, be strengthened to eat things sacrificed to idols? For through your knowledge he who is weak is ruined, the brother for whose sake Christ died. And thus by sinning against the brethren and wounding their conscience when it is weak, you sin against Christ. Therefore, if food causes my brother to stumble, I will never eat meat again that I might not cause my brother to stumble. That's what Paul says concerning those gray areas, 1 Corinthians chapter 8. Now, he says that knowledge, we know that we have knowledge. Knowledge makes arrogant, but love edifies. That's not saying that knowledge is a bad thing. It's just saying that there has to be a balance between knowledge and love. And, and if all you are is knowledge and you're weak on love, that's not good because knowledge has the tendency to puff us up. But love builds us up. And so he's not saying that uh, you better not have knowledge. He wants you to have knowledge. And knowledge tells us this. Knowledge tells us that idols are nothing. And, and that's what he says. Concerning the eating of things sacrificed to idols, we know that there is no such thing as an idol in the world and that there is no God but one. So do you remember when Elijah was on Mount Carmel? He was having the, the showdown on Mount Carmel. First uh, Kings chapter 18 with the, uh, with the prophets of Baal. And he said, you call on your God and I'll call on Yahweh God and the God who answers by fire. He is God. And all the people said, that is a good idea. Let's do that. Let's have a, a showdown. And so the prophets of Baal, 450 prophets of Baal, uh, they began to call on their God Baal. And they called on him from 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. 
and there was no answer. Nobody paid attention, and there was no voice. Why? Because Baal's not God. Baal's nothing. He's nothing. There is only one God. And so Paul says, hey, we know that if you eat meat sacrificed to idols, it's not, it's not anything. But here, here was the, the rub. So the people that got saved out of idol worship, they saw, hey, this is so bad. That would be like me going back to my old way of life. But a person that got saved, they were never involved in idol worship. They, they made a business decision and they said, hey, well, I can get meat cheaper at the, uh, uh, with the meat sacrificed to idols than if I uh, buy it at the market. And so I want to get this meat. And, you know, when they bought meat, they weren't saying, now, now let, let me ask you, is this meat sacrificed to idols? Because I can't eat meat sacrificed to idols. <clears throat> so the people that had knowledge and were stronger in their relationship with the Lord, stronger in their faith, they realized this doesn't matter at all. So I'm, I'm going to be uh, a good steward of the money that God given, has given me. And if I can get hamburger meat, for, uh, you know, 30 cents a pound cheaper because it's meat sacrificed to idols. It's no big deal for me because I know an idol is nothing. But for that weaker brother, they would say, oh, no, you can't do that. That would be horrible. That would be terrible. And see, it became a point of contention. It became a gray area for them, just like a gray area for us Tattoos can be a great area. You know, uh, as I said, making out with your boyfriend, girlfriend can be a gray area. And so uh, that can cause us problems. And we have to be able to discern that. So knowledge says idols are nothing. Knowledge says this gray area is not inherently wrong. Because just like the meat sacrificed to idols, there's nothing wrong with that. It's still the same meat. And... uh, Knowledge says the weaker brother is the one who struggles with this. Stronger Christians have more liberty. Weaker brothers have less liberty because there are more things that they see. Oh, that, that's a slippery slope for me. That's a, that's a problem area for me. So what is the answer to those gray areas? Well, that's our topic today on Real Truth for Today. I'm your host, Pastor Jeff Shreve, and we're going to get into this uh, more uh, when we come back from the break, and then we're going to open the phone lines, 888-589-8840. That's 888-589-8840 to talk about the gray areas. You may have some questions about that, and uh, we need to be wise, and we need to respond to people in love. We'll be right back. AFA Foundation Director Riley Wildman. A charitable gift annuity is perfect for AFA supporters with an eternal perspective like Lucy Overstreet. Psalm 78 tells us that we are to tell our children and our grandchildren and the future generations after them what the Lord has done in our lives and what the Word of God says. Lucy's charitable gift annuity will keep supporting this ministry for generations. I wanted something that would have eternal value, and that's the way I think of the American Family Association investment. Contact Riley Wildman and her staff at the AFA Foundation and find out if a charitable gift annuity is right for you. 800-326-4543, extension 345. Or visit our website, afafoundation.net. 
My life is not about me, it's about him. To sharpen the biblical worldview of Christians and to share the good news of Jesus Christ, that is the mission of the Christian Worldview Radio Program. I'm host David Wheaton, inviting you to join us this Saturday morning at 9 Eastern, 8 Central, as we discuss all matters of life and faith from a decidedly biblical perspective. The Christian Worldview, Saturday mornings at 9 Eastern, 8 Central, right here on American Family Radio. Washington Watch advances a culture where human life is valued and religious liberty thrives. Hello, this is Tony Perkins, host of Washington Watch, right here on the American Family Radio Network, inviting you to join us each weekend for the weekend edition of Washington Watch for the latest from our nation's capital on what is happening as it pertains to faith, family, and freedom. You'll hear from policymakers, congressional leaders, and others each day, 4 p.m. Central Time. Be there. We've all experienced grief after losing someone we love. How do we deal with it or help others through it? The AFA Cultural Institute has a resource that can help. Dr. Joe McKeever lost his wife of 52 years, so he's well acquainted with grief. In his two video series, he shares how God helped him through the roller coaster of grief and how we can help others who are grieving. And I picked those things up and I said, goodbye fibromyalgia and goodbye arthritis and goodbye pain and goodbye Crohn's disease and goodbye depression and goodbye weight loss. The former things have passed away. He has made all things new. Praise God for new hope. Let things flow. And I just dissolved into a puddle there in the carpet and cried and had a little revival. Dr. Joe McKeever's Grief Series from the AFA Cultural Institute. Both videos are available on DVD or on demand. Visit resources.afa.net to buy or to find out more resources.afa.net. Welcome back to Real Truth for Today. Pastor Jeff Shreve here. Our subject matter today is gray areas. Now concerning those gray areas. And Paul in 1 Corinthians 8 talked to the Corinthians about those gray areas, namely meat sacrifice to idols. Is it right or wrong to eat meat sacrificed to idols. And the, the weaker brother, the, those weaker in the faith were saying that is definitely wrong to eat meat sacrificed to idols because that is, there, there's demonic power in that. And the stronger brother would say an idol is nothing. There's only one God. And I can eat meat sacrificed to idols because I know that meat, that the idol is, is a big fat zero. And so that doesn't do anything to me. And so Paul said that uh, we know that we all have knowledge and it's important to have knowledge. But then he goes on to say, knowledge makes arrogant, but love edifies. So concerning gray areas, it's important to have knowledge. But concerning gray areas also... It's important to have love, and we could even say love is more important in the battle between, if you put them together, pitted them together, in the battle between walking in knowledge or walking in love, we would say, uh, I'm going to let love trump knowledge in this instance. And you say, what, what, are you, what are you talking about? Well, if I say, well, I have the liberty to eat meat sacrificed to idols, and you're a younger brother, and you say, "Well, I no, that's gonna that's that bothers me, to, for you to do that." Well, I don't want to hurt you, and if you have a problem with eating meat sacrificed to idols, and I say, "Well, it's no big deal," 
Well, then you say, okay, well, I can do that too because Pastor Jeff is doing it. And then that causes you to stumble and that causes you to fall. The Bible is very clear. Don't destroy with your liberty those for whom Christ died. Let me give you an example because I mentioned about drinking. And I have, uh, I have strong opinions about drinking. I've done enough counseling with people to know how devastating alcohol is to marriages and families and relationships and people's lives. And so folks that say, and many Christians, you know, well, I socially drink. There's nothing wrong with drinking. Uh, Proverbs chapter 20, wine is a mocker and strong drink of brawler, and whoever is intoxicated by it is not wise. And, and people will be quick to say, well, it's wrong to get drunk. It's not wrong to drink. Well, here, here's my feeling on that. Uh, if it's wrong to get drunk, the only way you get drunk is by drinking, by drinking too much. Uh, when you get drunk, you can do say and do some terrible things, I just don't see any upside to alcohol. I, all I see is downside. And here is how this plays out, because a, a Christian can say, well, I have liberty in this area, but uh, another Christian can have a lot of problems with that. And so I have a dear friend who's in heaven, and she told me one time about her daughter-in-law. She said, my daughter-in-law was a baby Christian. And she and her husband went to this deacon's house. They, he was having a home Bible study at the church. You know, they, they were meeting in, in, uh, in homes during the week for Bible study. So she went to this man's house and, uh, with other couples, and he was a deacon in the church. And at this Bible study, he served alcohol. And, and she had a history of alcohol problems. It was in her family. It was kind of in her genetic makeup. She was just predisposed for that. And so she initially said, uh-oh, that's, that's wrong. I, I don't need to be drinking alcohol at a party like this, at a gathering, a Bible study uh, especially. But this man that's leading the Bible study is a deacon at the church. And so if he's doing it and he's offering it to all uh, of us who are here at the Bible study, I guess it's okay. And so she, she took the drink, and that drink led her to a uh, lifetime of alcoholism. That was the trigger that caused her to fall down a slippery slope that destroyed her marriage, destroyed her family, destroyed her life. And I remember my friend told me, she said, you know, I'm just so... Um, I forget the word. It wasn't angry, but she was dealing with anger. She said, because that was her daughter-in-law and that was her son. And that was, that was her family. She said, I'm just so frustrated and upset with this guy because he introduced her to that destructive force in her life. Hey, I mean, you got to be some kind of stupid to have a Bible study and offer alcohol to the people that are there. Wine is a mocker, strong drink, a brawler, and whoever is intoxicated by it is not wise. If you want to be wise, steer clear of that stuff. That stuff is deadly. I realize for some people they can handle it, but a lot of people can't handle it. And so I've always been of the opinion, just don't mess with that stuff. And as I said in the, in the first segment, you know, my, the friends I hung around with, because we all got drunk on the weekends, but when I came to Christ, I had to quit doing that because I had no witness in their lives if I kept drinking with them. 
And I could say, well, I have, I have liberty to do this. I'm not getting drunk. I'm just having a beer. You guys are getting drunk. You guys are sinning. I'm not. I'm just having a beer. Well, they didn't know somebody coming up on me uh, with my buddies and they all have beers and I have a beer. They don't know if that's my first one or my 10th one. And so it's just, it gives off a bad witness. You just are, are creating problems. And as the scripture says, you are destroying with your liberty those for whom Christ died. You just don't want to do that. You don't want to, um, you don't want to engage in any activity that people could say, um, I have a problem with that. Now, Folks will try and say, well, I don't have, you know, I've heard this before from different ones, different Christians. And so, well, I socially drink. I don't have a problem with anyone socially drinking. I said, well, uh, what if you, uh," this was when I was a Sunday school teacher at uh, Champion Forest Baptist Church. I was talking to this one friend of mine who who thought it was okay to socially drink. I said, well, our pastor, Damon Shook, I said, "Uh, how would you feel if you went to the restaurant and you saw Damon there with his wife, Jackie, and uh, you came on his table, and he had, he had a high ball there, uh, some kind of hard liquor that he was drinking, and, and his wife was drinking, and he's, um, he's drinking this drink. He's got a cigarette burning in the ashtray. Uh, I said, how would you feel? You know, uh, and he's like, well, I, I, wouldn't, um, I wouldn't feel very good about that. He, he's the pastor. He shouldn't do that. He's the pastor. I said, but... But here's the thing. A lot of people don't know who Damon Shook is, but they know you. And if you name the name of Christ, they're looking at you the same way you would look at Damon Shook. And you say, well, he shouldn't do that. Well, they're thinking in your mind, why do you do that? Is Jesus not enough for you? Do you need to have these other things? And so that same guy, his wife told me this, and this guy is a dear, dear friend, but uh, she he was drinking a beer at... at uh, as they were at the restaurant and uh, she said to him, she said, uh, she said, Ron, what would you, how would you feel if, uh, if Dick Hill, he was the minister of music at Champion Forest back then. She said, how would you feel if Dick Hill saw you right now drinking a beer uh, at dinner? And he was big in the choir. He said, well, it wouldn't bother me at all. She said, it wouldn't. He said, no, not at all. And she said, well, because he's right there at the table uh, over from us. And all of a sudden, it bothered Ron. He didn't want Dick to see him drinking a beer. Hey, that's a good, uh, a, a good checkpoint for us to say, all right, maybe I don't need to do this. If it would make me feel uncomfortable if somebody saw me or if, uh, you know, if somebody I looked up to saw me or if somebody who looked up to me saw me, uh, is that going to be a problem? So here's a checklist for gray areas because... Uh, knowledge puffs up, love builds up, love edifies, and love gives proper balance to knowledge. And the more you love God, the more you love the children of God. And the more you love God, the more you want to see the children of God grow spiritually. And the more you love God, the more sensitive you are to sin. And the more willing you are to sacrifice your liberties because of love. Because you don't want, don't destroy with your liberty those for whom Christ died. So you go back to that deacon that had the Bible study in his house that was serving alcohol. Okay, so maybe he could make the case that alcohol is no big deal to me. But it is a big deal to someone else. And so you can't destroy with your liberty 
those for whom Christ died. Here's the checklist for gray areas. Does this activity glorify God? Big question. Whether then you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. 1 Corinthians 10.31. Will this activity help me grow spiritually? 1 Corinthians 6.12. Food is for the stomach and the stomach is for food. Yet the body is not for immorality, but for the Lord, and the Lord is for the body. Will this activity help me grow spiritually? Number three, will this activity become my master? Uh, Paul said that he is not going to be mastered by any activity, by anything that would be uh, a problem for him. So he says, all things are lawful for me, but not all things are profitable. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be mastered by anything. So you can take something that is a good thing that can become an out-of-balance thing. Uh, a good example uh, for me and a friend of mine who's a pastor is golf. Uh, golf is one of those things a lot of people are just like, yeah, golf, I can take it or leave it. Others of us, uh, you, you get the golf bug. I like what a friend of mine said. Because uh, he's not very good at golf, like I'm not very good at golf. He said, uh, Pastor Jeff, I have the golf bug. I don't have the golf gene, uh, which means I like to play golf, but I'm not very good at golf. And golf is one of those things, or tennis, or or uh, whatever your sport is, or whatever your activity is. All things are lawful for me, but not all things are profitable. All things are lawful, but I will not be mastered by anything. Will this activity become my master? And then fourthly, will this activity cause another person to stumble? If that activity causes another person to stumble, you need to dismiss it. You need to flee from it. You need to not do it. Um, you know, we, we, we can't do things in secret that if somebody found that out, that would really, really hurt them. And, you know, we think about the movies that we watch. Um, you know, back in the day, we didn't have Netflix or Hulu or any of that stuff. I mean, you had to rent movies. And back before that, you had to, you had to just go to the movies and uh, whatever would come on TV, you'd watch it. But now, in the privacy of our own homes, we can watch things. And uh, if people saw what we watched and uh, what we said, well, that's, that's fine, I'm watching this, it'd be like, you know, that kind of that kind of show has a lot of bad language. It's hard to find things that don't have bad language in them, but it has a lot of uh, sin that you're just watching, uh, a lot of sexual immorality and things like that. And it's like, is that good for me? And, and would this cause another person to stumble? And especially with your kids, because mom and dad, your kids in the home, your young kids, they're watching you. Uh, in the, the attitude, do what I say, not what I do, that doesn't work. Because they're watching what you do. And uh, the old poem that I love so much, I'd rather see a sermon than hear one any day. I'd rather you go with me than merely point the way. The eye is a more ready pupil than ever was the ear. Good advice is often confusing, but example is always clear. I would rather see a sermon than hear one any day. And so mom and dad in the home, you need to be a sermon for your son and for your daughter. And they need to see that there's certain things that you don't do in your home and you don't practice. And it, with my kids growing up, 
There was no alcohol. There were no cigarettes. There were no drugs. There were nothing like that. There was nothing of the, this, this stuff that will destroy. Uh, you know, gambling is another one of those sins that destroys. You say, well, I can handle it. Yeah, but somebody else can't handle it, and it destroys them. I remember uh, a guy in my Sunday school class years and years ago, he wanted to meet me for breakfast. I didn't know what he was going to talk to me about. I didn't know if he was upset with me about something. And we sat down at breakfast, and he told me, he said, Jeff, he was 27 years old, I think 27 or 28. He said, Jeff, I need to tell you something. I said, what's that? And he said, I'm an alcoholic. And he said, I wish I had never taken one drink, that first drink. I wish I had never been introduced to the stuff because it has destroyed my life. Young guy, but alcohol was destroying his life. Listen, I don't want to be, I never wanted to be a dad where my kids could say to me, well, dad, uh, get hooked on alcohol or drugs or whatever it might be, cigarettes or gambling, whatever. Well, dad, I watched you do it. And so I thought it was okay. You, do you remember when they used to have those public service uh, commercials? This is dating me, but back in the day, this, this man comes home and he, he confronts his son, his teenage son, and he's got this, this uh, little, uh, like a drawer full of drug paraphernalia. And he said, he said, is this yours? He goes, no, it's not mine, Dad. He goes, yeah, it is yours. He said, your mother found this. This is yours, right? And he said, yeah. And he finally fesses up to it. And he said, where did you learn this? you know, what caused you to do this? Where did you learn this? And the son says to him, you are right. I learned it from watching you. And then they had the little tagline. Kids who do, parents who do drugs have kids who do drugs. And so mom and dad, uh, strong Christian, we need to be careful. Don't destroy with your liberty those for whom Christ died. Love says, all right, I have the liberty to do X, whatever X is that is in that gray area. But love says, for the sake of my weaker brother, weaker sister, those uh, weaker in the faith, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to forego that. Whether it's going to clubs or whether it's uh, dancing, whether it's alcohol, whether it's certain kind of shows, I'm not going to do that. Why? Because I love the children of God. I love my brother. I love the Lord, and I want my witness to be all it can be for the Lord Jesus. Well, the phone number to call is 888-589-8840. That's 888-589-8840. We're up against a break. When we come back, we'll be taking your calls, and I'd love to talk to you about this concerning gray areas. Knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. We'll be right back. What does the American Family Association stand for? AFA aims to evangelize the lost and disciple the believer. AFA aims to strengthen biblical marriages and equip parents to raise godly children. These values and more are part of our mission to inform, equip, and activate individuals to strengthen the moral foundations of our culture. We also support the church. We want to be a leading organization in biblical worldview training for cultural transformation. Thank you for standing with us. Forget about Facebook. The last 10 days we've been banned twice and is unbanning a word. They put us under the ban. Christians and conservatives don't need your YouTube. Banned one day, 
banned again. AFR programs are now live streaming on the AFA streaming app. Now you can get shows like today's issues straight from the source. Put back on the next. Just say unbanned. Unbanned. Just search AFA streaming or visit streaming.afa.net to sign up. Here's Pastor Alistair Begg from the American Family Studios documentary, The God Who Speaks. This book knows me. This book uncovers me. This book does things to me that no other book does. Why is it that people really don't want to read the Bible? Because it is living and active in a way that is almost unfathomable, that the Spirit of God, who has inspired the inscripturation of the Word of God, is active in the reading of this book and in the proclaiming of this book. We meet with God in His Word. He speaks. He doesn't speak new words to us. Now, the Holy Spirit illumines the words that He's already spoken. If we start to look beyond that for encounters with God, we will actually be taken away from the authority and the sufficiency of the Bible. Visit thegodwhospeaks.org. Director of the AFA Foundation, Riley Wildman. I've traveled a lot. I've met with people from all over the country. Riley has served as the director of the AFA Foundation for over a decade. The most rewarding thing about my job is that we get to build relationships through our donors and our supporters and get to have that personal relationship with them. Contact the AFA Foundation today to learn how you can shore up permanent income for your retirement years while supporting the culture-transforming work of the American Family Association. A charitable gift annuity benefits you and helps ensure the AFA will impact America for generations to come. Call 800-326-4543, extension 345. That's 800-326-4543, extension 345. The AFA Foundation, the Financial Stewardship Division of the American Family Association. Welcome back to Real Truth for Today. Pastor Jeff Shreve here. We're talking about gray areas. Now concerning those gray areas, as Paul said to the Corinthians, now concerning things sacrificed to idols, meat sacrificed to idols. Let's talk about that. In the Christian life, we have things that are obviously right and obviously wrong. Things that the Lord says, this is good, and he says, this is sin, this is wrong. So black and white things in the Christian life, but then the, when you mix black and white together, you get gray. What about the gray areas? And so the phone lines are open as we talk about this subject, 888-589-8840. That's 888-589-8840. Love to take your call. And we have Trudy on the line from Michigan. Trudy, welcome to Real Truth for Today. Thank you. Good morning, sir. Good morning. I want to thank you this morning for talking about this subject, because I'm sure that you know it is a huge subject right now, even in the church. I live with this every day. Um, people uh, say that since Jesus Christ came, that we can all live in the gray area. There's no more black and white. And I just thank you so much for upholding what the Bible says, that there is right and wrong still existing in this world, because this is huge now. Mm -hmm. 
Well, it really is. And, uh, you know, you hear people, Trudy, they, they, they like to say, well, who are you to judge me? And so I'm going to do whatever I want to do, and I'm a Christian, and who are you to judge me? Uh, I still remember a sermon I heard years and years and years ago by Adrian Rogers. You know, he's talking about, um, you know, the scripture verse in the Gospels, judge not lest you be judged. Jesus said that uh, in Matthew I think it's Matthew chapter 7. And uh, he said, you know, we, we need to uh, be careful uh, about that because we kind of throw everything under, well, you're judging me and you can't judge me. Uh, he said, suppose you and I are in a room and uh, and you're across the room from me. And I say, I kind of eyeball it. And I say, okay, well, Trudy is, uh, she's about 30 feet away from me. Well, that's a judgment because I don't know how far you are away from me. I'm just eyeballing it. But if I get a, a tape measure out, and measure it, and it comes out to 32.3 feet, then that is not a judgment anymore. That's a measurement. And so when we look at people and we tell them, hey, you, you're, you're leaving your wife for this woman you're having an affair with, that is wrong. Hey, don't judge me, man. I'm not judging you. I'm telling you that this is what the Lord says. Fornicators and adulterers, God will judge. And uh, so we need to be to remember there's a difference between judging people where you just go out on your own and gray areas. You know, we can become judgmental and, and legalistic in gray areas. We got to watch out for that. But when we're telling people, thus says the Lord, that's not a judgment. That's coming from God. You're warning people that this is what the judge has said about this. Uh, he's going to judge this. And it's a terrifying thing to fall into the hands of the living God. You know, if you're driving with somebody in the car and the speed limit is 55 and they're going 85, you're not judging them by saying, hey, you are speeding. And if you don't slow down, you are probably, uh, you're putting yourself in harm's way for getting a ticket. And so, uh, you know, hey, don't judge me, man. I'm not judging you. I'm just telling you the speed limit is 55 and you're going 85. And uh, you're not going to like it if you get pulled over. So I appreciate that, Trudy. And uh, just keep remaining strong and stay strong in the Scripture. And we just keep lifting up the name of the Lord. Um, We have uh, Dana on the line from Texas. Dana, welcome to Real Truth for Today. Thank you, Pastor Shree. First of all, I wanted to tell you how much I really appreciate your preaching and teaching uh, you have really grown my faith, and uh, maybe someday I can come visit your church. But um, my question, like I say, you're growing my faith. I've, I ha- I'm just wrestling with this. So my question is, um, you know, we know about the the first miracle of turning the water into wine, and I'm sure I would assume that Jesus would drink wine at the wedding feast. But how can you reconcile that whenever... Uh, you wouldn't know who the weaker or the stronger, you know, believers at the wedding feast were. I mean, how do you reconcile the most famous first miracle, turning water into wine? Yes, great question. Um, so the the question comes in. You know, we we think of wine uh, into today's term in in today's terms, and so wine is so much uh, percentage of alcohol in Jesus' day. That's what they drank. Uh, wine was just a common thing to drink. And you had wine that was, uh, it was cut by so much water. So you would have to drink uh, so much of it 
to get intoxicated. Now, they had strong drink in that day, and uh, but the Bible makes it clear, even in the book of Proverbs, do not look on the wine when it is red, when it sparkles in the cup, uh, because then it's intoxicating. And so they would drink wine that wasn't intoxicating, that would be cut with a lot of water. And so... Um, you know, they, they mocked in Acts chapter 2 when they heard him speaking uh, the, the mighty deeds of God in unknown languages, and the people were saying, what does this mean? And the, the mocker said, well, these men are full of sweet wine. They're full of fresh wine that's not even uh, intoxicating, and uh, yet they're drunk on grape juice. That's basically what they were saying. These these guys, don't, don't even listen to these guys. They're drunk on grape juice. So, what did Jesus do at the wedding feast of Cana in Galilee? He made the most wonderful uh, drink for them to participate in, and he made a lot of it. So they had six stone water pots that would contain about a, a hundred, it says contained uh, 20 to 30 gallons each. So you had about 120 to 180 gallons when they filled that up with water and he turned the water into wine. Uh, it doesn't make sense to think that uh, Jesus gave that present to those people 180 gallons of Jack Daniels. Uh, that would be just ludicrous. He, he didn't do that. He gave them a great gift, all this, this wine that was not going to make people drunk because God's not going to participate in that. And so I think we have to remember what, what they were drinking back then, what it was, because it's not like it is today. And, uh, as, as one man said, I heard this in a sermon a long time ago, he said, well, you can, you can know for sure because Jesus said he's not going to drink the fruit of the wine. He said the fruit of the vine. He said this at the Last Supper. I will not drink it again until I drink it uh, anew with you in the kingdom of God. So Jesus is a teetotaler uh, until he comes back. And, and I think that a person is wise, a Christian is wise to steer clear of alcohol. Now, if somebody drinks alcohol, I'm not going to judge them. That's their business, but I don't think that's a good thing, and I don't think for a mom, for a dad, that's a good thing to model to your kids because what you can handle, they may not be able to handle, and I do not want my kid to say to me one day when I say, well, where did you learn this? You are right. I learned it from watching you. And so I just, I just say, man, that's, that's something that doesn't need to be in my life. So does that help, Dana? Yes, that's a great point. And see, um, I can use what you just said to pass that along. Because when I was a parenting, my kids are adults now, when I was parenting, I would abstain from drinking uh, at the table when there was alcohol and everything because I was convicted that I did not, you know, the liberty thing, I did not want to cause my children to stumble. So for the very points that you just said, so that kind of validates kind of what I got teased for or like, oh, okay, well, one time you do this, one time you do do that. And I'm saying, no, that's, that's not the point, you know, uh, or so that really really helps me and i i will take your talking points and i will use them when i pass that along when i have that conversation with others so thank you thank you dana i appreciate you calling in uh scotty in virginia scotty you had the same question um yes sir uh, it's, it's along the same lines i think the thing i'm um 
trying to understand is when the masters of ceremony after um, they gave them the wine said usually um, you serve the best wine first, mm-hmm. and then when everyone's had too much to drink, then you serve the worst wine. Mm-hmm. I think that's what I'm kind of uh, trying to understand is the too much to drink and then serving the wine. Um, did the people at the wedding ceremony have too much to drink, and does that mean that they were intoxicated? Um, <clears throat> good question. So that's uh, John 2.10. Mine says, every man serves the good wine first, and when men have drunk freely— than that which is poorer, you have kept the good wine until now. Um, I personally don't think that that's, it means like, well, everybody's getting smashed, and so then you can serve them the, the crummy wine. Uh, you know, weddings were a big part of, of the culture, and the weddings lasted a long time. Um, but the idea, I, I think that we try and put our, you know, we put what we know today back in the first century and it wasn't like that at all. So this idea that, you know, we have a wedding and and it's open bar and people are getting, you know, just, just drunk out of their minds. It wasn't like that. Um, and so, you know, it was a big festive occasion and you had kids there and you, you know, families there. And, and so, uh, I, I just think that that the the mo was hey we we have the best at the beginning, and then it the weaker is coming after that because we can only you know we can't afford the best for uh, you know day after day and some of those some of those receptions would last a long long time, and so uh, I would look at it more like that um, because. Jesus and his his mother is there, um, his disciples are there. Uh, you know, just this idea that, you know, Jesus is at this wedding feast and everybody's getting snockered, uh, you know, that's just not the, the case at all. And, and he wouldn't give, you know, the idea that he gives a gift of 180 gallons of, of uh, Jack Daniels type uh, liquid or, or beverage just doesn't wash at all with, with who Jesus is and what he says in his word and and. Alcohol is just one of those things that you better watch out with that stuff because that stuff can destroy you. And I've always looked at it this way. There are certain sins that you don't want to open the door to. There are certain things that you don't want to participate in because you may be the kind of person that can't shut the door to that. So alcohol is one of those. Gambling is one of those. Uh, you, You know, you say, well, it's no big deal. It's just a little thing. But it destroys because certain people can't turn it off. And so it's so much better. Like that man told me, I I wish I had never taken the first drink. Just say no. You know, I never have trouble. You know, people have trouble quitting smoking or quitting, you know, chewing tobacco or whatever. It's not a problem if you never start it. And so with those things that can just consume you, just just say no from the start and uh, walk away from that. Because uh, if you don't, it can be a monkey on your back that you have a very difficult time getting it off. So thanks for that question, Scotty. We have Rose on the line from Virginia. Rose, welcome to Real Truth for Today. Hey, Pastor Shreve. It is so great to talk to you. Oh, thank you. I just wanted to, I wanted to talk to you about, about four years ago, I became convicted that doing yoga was wrong for me. 
Mm-hmm. I felt like the Lord was telling me, no, you don't know, this is not good. And then I heard a sermon on AFR about what yoga really is and that you're worshiping Hindu gods. I, I kept that to myself for the most part. I told people close to me, but people get very, very upset, mm-hmm. and I have to be careful. So what I say now is it's wrong for me to do. I would love to hear what you have to say about that. Yeah, great question. Yeah, I think it I think you do say, okay, this is why if somebody starts probing, this is why I don't do this anymore because I researched this and I got convicted about it because of what this is really rooted in and I can't do it anymore. It's a lot like, you know, it can be a lot like the meat sacrifice to idols because the the one believer would say, "Hey, I know about that world. I know about these you know what goes on in these idols temples and all the sexual immorality and all the sin associated with that. I don't want to have anything to do with that." Uh, but for someone else to say, "Yeah, that has no appeal to me." Um, and I don't see it the way you do. And so, uh, I think that, um, Rose, you know, if you, if you were to condemn everybody that does, obviously you're not doing this, but if you were to do that, then that would be wrong. And I think it's just a better way to say, you know, the Lord really convicted me. I can't do this. Uh, Paul said the faith, which you have, have as your own conviction before God, Romans 14, 22, happy is he who does not condemn himself in what he approves But he who doubts is condemned if he eats because he is not eating from faith, and whatever is not from faith is sin. So I think for you, obviously it's wrong because you can't have faith with that, and uh, and whatever is not of faith is sin. And so for somebody else, they're not convicted about it, and so uh, if the Lord gives you the opportunity to to talk to them, maybe they would be convicted about it. But uh, we need to be careful in those gray areas. And for when the Lord convicts us about don't do that, then we need to bow out and say, uh, I'm going to step away from that. Well, thank you for listening today to Real Truth from t- for today. I'm sorry for uh, Leland and Archie and Smitty. I didn't get to your calls. But uh, call in again tomorrow and we can talk. You're listening to Real Truth for today. I'm your host, Pastor Jeff Shreve. Go out today, shine for Christ, and share what great things the Lord has done for you. And God will use you as his witness. God bless you. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.